Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, I'm sort of continuing on a theme here today, part of my magnum opus, if you will, on land meets water and how we can replicate and benefit from this in our aquarium work. As you know, for about the past decade or so, I've been going on and on and on about the interesting biological niches which arrive when terrestrial environments become inundated with water during the rainy season. We've discussed many aspects of these unique habitats and how we as aquarists can replicate aspects of them to create amazing, highly functional aquariums for the fishes that we keep. Now, spoiler alert, you can have a great looking, almost artistic aquascape and still embrace and mimic natural functions. Yeah, you can. Yeah, we've talked a lot about them and we've seen many of you go on to successfully recreate some of these habitats in your home aquariums and they're as beautiful as they are functional. And the functional aspect is, in my opinion, as compelling, if not even more so, than the mere sexy aesthetics of these habitats. Just thinking about the dynamics, the fish adaptations, and the components of these systems can really get your creative juices flowing. Now, one of the most compelling aspects of the tropical habitats is how they power the food webs which our fishes benefit from. And I think this is something that we as aquarists have overlooked for decades, and with more emphasis than ever being placed on the look of the aquarium, it's even more possible that the amazing function of the natural habitats that we love so much isn't getting enough attention from hobbyists when we think we're going to, we know how we're going to fill that little glass box we have in our home. And of course, we need to look no further for inspiration than nature. In those seasonally inundated forests and plains of Brazil, which I'm obsessed of, of course, plants will grow and they take up nutrients from the sediments during the dry terrestrial phase. They store them in their tissues and leaves and then release them into the water when they begin to decompose after these habitats flood again. After the inundation, fishes may directly feed on the organic materials from these terrestrial plants, such as fruits, flowers, leaves, seeds, detritus, and bark. In fact, Science has documented over 200 species, primarily large, ugly kerosens and catfishes, in Amazonia alone, which are specifically adapted to feed on fruits, nuts, submerged grasses, and other terrestrial plant materials. Well, you're not likely to keep most of them like the paku or whatever, but it's a classic example of a fruit eater. Many other fishes which reside in these flooded forests feed mainly on insects, specifically small ones such as beetles, spiders, and ants from the forest canopy. These insects are likely dislodged from the overhanging trees by wind and rain, and the opportunistic fishes are always ready for a quick meal. Interestingly, it's been postulated that the reason the Amazon has so many small fishes is that they've evolved as a response to the opportunities to feed on insects served up by the flooded forest in which they reside. Makes sense, right? The little guys do a better job at eating small insects which fall into the water than the larger, clumsier guys who snap up nuts and fruits and stuff like that with those big old mouths they have. Now, some species of fishes specialize in detritus. As we know by now, decomposing leaves are the basis of the food chain and the detritus they produce forms an extremely important part of the food chain for many, many species of fishes, 
Some have even adapted morphologically to feed on detritus produced in these habitats by developing bristle-like teeth to remove it from branches, tree trunks, plant stems, and stuff like that. Of course, it's not just the fishes which derive benefits from the terrestrial materials which find their way into the water. Bacteria, fungi, and algae also act upon the nutrients released into the water by decomposing organic material from these plants. Aquatic plants, known collectively to science as macrophytes, grow in or near the water and are either emergent, submergent, or floating, and they play a huge role in literally filtering these flooded habitats in nature. Terrestrial trees also play a role in removing, utilizing, and returning nutrients to the aquatic habitat. They remove some nutrient from the submerged soils and return some in the form of a leaf drop. It's kind of similar to what we do when we drop leaves into our aquariums, right? Now, interestingly, studies showed that up to 70% of the leaf drops from the surrounding trees in the agapo habitats occurs when the area is submerged, but the bulk of it is shedded at the end of the inundation period. I think that's very interesting. The falling leaves gradually decompose and become part of the detritus in the food web, which is essential for many species of fishes. So this late inundation leaf drop also kind of sets things up for the next round of providing a starter of nutrients for that next round of inundation. Flood pulses in these habitats easily enable large-scale transfers of nutrients and food items between the terrestrial and the aquatic environment. This is of huge importance to the ecosystem. As we've touched on many times before, Aquatic food webs in the Amazon area and other tropical ecosystems are very strongly influenced by the input of terrestrial materials. And this is a really important point for those of us interested in creating more natural aquatic displays and microcosms for those fishes that we love so much. The classic, I don't know, archetype of of this type of system would be what we've seen many times. Uh, A tank filled with primarily with leaf litter, a few pieces of wood, maybe some twigs or whatever, and that's it. It just happens to be cool looking and supremely functional as well. I think that it's a prototype for many of us to follow merging the looks and the function together pretty much adeptly and beautifully. Anybody can do this. If I can do it, you can do it. Study some of those pictures you see online of those natural habitats. And if you want, look at some tanks that people have done. You'll see that it's pretty easy to execute. Now, I think at least part of the reason why we're seeing success with utilizing botanicals in our aquariums is that fishes are instinctively, I don't know, programmed to utilize many of these materials as both feeding substrates and as food items in and of themselves. Now, newsflash, pellets and flakes are not part of the natural diet of fishes, right? The addition and replenishment of leaves and other botanical materials which we execute in our tanks definitely mimics, at least to some extent, the processes which occur in these habitats, which transfer food and nutrients into the aquatic habitats anyway. So it makes perfect sense. And with the ability to provide live foods, such as small insects, I'm thinking fruit flies and ants, uh, and to potentially cultivate some worms, you know, like bloodworms in situ, there are certainly lots of compelling possibilities for creating really comfortable, natural pairing and functioning biotope aquariums for our fishes. Now, ever the philosopher or muser of the art of aquaristics, I sometimes fear that the burgeoning interest in you know, biotope aquariums at a contest level will result in the same sort of diorama effect that we've seen in the planted aquarium contest. In other words, just focusing on the look, which is cool, don't get me wrong, yet summarily overlooking the reason why the habitat looks that way and how the fishes have adapted to it and considering how we can utilize this for their husbandry or spawning or whatever. We don't judge on those criteria. I think we should. I'm, I'm sure maybe my views are ridiculously unfounded and typically reactionary, but the so-called nature aquarium movement seems to have, in my humble opinion, overlooked the real function of nature. So there's some precedent, unfortunately. 
Now, I hope that the biotopers, who have a lot of awareness about these habitats and that they're inspired by, will at least consider this functional aesthetic dynamic that we obsess over when they conceive and execute their amazing work, and most of it is amazing. It really should go beyond merely creating the look of these systems to win a contest. In my humble opinion, rather, we should focus on the structural, functional aspects of these environments to create long-term benefits for the fishes that we keep in them. That's a real biotope aquarium in my book. Leaves, detritus, submerged terrestrial plants, they all have their place in an aquarium designed to mimic or replicate these unique aquatic habitats. You can and should be able to manage nutrients and the bioload input released into our closed systems by these materials. And as we've discussed and executed for years, it's doable. The fear about detritus and stuff like that crashing tanks is largely overstated in my humble opinion, especially with competent aquarium husbandry and understanding of the nitrogen cycle and properly outfitting a tank with good filtration and nutrient control and export systems in place. Look, if you're up to the challenge of attempting to replicate the look of some natural habitat, you should be competent enough as an aquarist to be able to responsibly manage the system over the long term as well. Ooh, ouch, right? Hey, that's reality. I'm sorry to be so frank. Enough of the shallow mimicry BS that's dominated the contest world and Instagram world for so long. You want to influence and educate people and inspire them? Want to really advance the hobby and the art and science of aquarium keeping? Then execute a tank which can be managed over the long haul. Crack the code, figure out the technique, look to nature and get, you know, kind of back engineer it. These things can and have been done. We've been doing it for a long time. You can too. There are many aspects of wild habitats that we choose to replicate, which we can turn into functionally aesthetic aquarium systems. Let's not forget the trees themselves in their submerged and even fallen state. They're more than just hardscape to those of us who are into the functional aesthetic aspects of our aquariums. The, the trees that are present in flooded forest habitats actually benefit fishes and aquatic life forms when they fall. Upon the return of the inundating waters, these Fallen trees become an important part of the aquatic habitats, providing multiple benefits. A fallen tree wedged into a stream provides shelter from the currents. The tree trunk changes the flow patterns of the stream to create eddies and ripples, which may bring in food and wash away the silt, allowing formation of gravel beds and the accumulation of leaves and fallen botanical materials, all of which are important environments and foraging areas for fishes. So these foraging areas are created in which the fishes can find insects, small crustaceans and fruits and stuff like that, which come from the terrestrial environment. They provide spawning locations for fishes and shelter for fry to develop and to avoid predators. Although it's pretty, you know, maybe impractical for many aquarists to, you know, obtain really, really large branches and stuff like that to simulate these submerged tree trunks, it still would be pretty interesting as an aquascape feature if you could source larger, thicker pieces to recreate this fascinating microhabitat in your aquarium. We talked about this recently, didn't we? And the entire community of fishes could be developed around, literally, one large branch or whatever in a modest-sized aquarium. Toss in a bunch of leaf litter and some botanicals and bam, instant functional biotope, right? Well, almost. You've got the look down, but bring on the function. Encourage some biofilm, some algae, and some other epiphytic material to colonize the branch and the trunk, and you're on your way to a functional representation of this unique habitat. Don't be afraid of the goopy stuff coming off your plant or your branches. That's what it looks like in nature. It should look like that in the aquarium, right? So much to talk about, so much to study, and so much to interpret here. So many unique and compelling aspects of the flooded forests of South America and elsewhere that I know will unlock the secrets of many unique and beautiful fishes which we keep in our aquariums. I really believe that. By providing functional biotope aquariums, we're really setting the stage for what I really feel is the ultimate evolution of aquarium keeping. 
creating aquariums which replicate as realistically as possible the look and function of the habitats that we're fascinated by. Making a mental shift. Yes, mental shifts yet again. It's a fun and really fascinating journey, one that will not only yield a greater understanding of our fishes, but of the precious and fascinating environments from which they come from. And a greater appreciation for the function and the vulnerabilities of these wild ecosystems means that we'll be in a better position than ever as aquarists to call attention to the perils that they face. And when we inspire non-aquarists to understand and learn more about this stuff, the whole planet wins. Take the time to go beyond that sexy look because you're gonna find that the function is every bit as fascinating and inspiring as those looks. I promise. Stay studious, stay fascinated, stay curious, stay resourceful, stay generous, stay diligent, stay obsessive, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tannin.